Hi everybody, the George Wilder. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Freedom. This is what I call freedom. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All righty. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, broadcasting out of the city of Chicago, as always. Uh, We're on the north side. I'm in my studio. I'm starting to call it my man cave because uh, that's basically what it is. But it's my studio and where I broadcast the show from and do do writing and all that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, um, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm always appreciative. I know you have... Your time is precious, and I try not to waste it. Um, anyway, always follow me on Facebook, blog, talk, radio, right here, right here. Uh, LinkedIn, Google, I'm all over the place. I mean, if you're doing something notable, you're online, right? 
But you know what? There are a lot of people who are doing things and um, that we should know about, but we don't know who they are. They won't advertise themselves. They won't um, make themselves seen or known. If you don't let people know what you're doing, then <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I've had people, I've asked people on uh, to be on the show, and they've done great things and that people should know about, but yet they, I don't know, they have some sort of apprehensive about being on a show, any show, you know, advertising their book or whatever. I've had people I wanted on the show because they had a great book I wanted to wanted them to talk about, but they they didn't want to be on the show for they didn't know how to deal with people. <laughs> I said, if you don't know how to deal with people, then why are you trying to sell something or advertise to people if you don't know how to uh if you're too embarrassed to uh and try to get you the word out about what you do you know i mean um people is is what it's all about i mean you can't avoid them i mean if you if you have a, a salon or something or a beauty shop or something you got to deal with people because you know i mean or, or you won't get any customers you know, I mean, if you're writing a book, you got to let people know it's there or nobody's going to buy it or or read it. It doesn't matter what what it's about. It could be the greatest story or the greatest nonfiction book in the world or the greatest fiction book in the world. If you don't let nobody, if you don't let anybody, pardon me, my grammar is a mess. If you don't let anybody know that your work is out there, we will never know about it. And it doesn't matter how good it is. It could be something the world should take a look at. But if you uh, if you're uh, uh, apprehensive about publicity, then you might as well not do it. Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I'm looking at my the marquee here on my computer, and it says author Stephanie Osborne uh, will be on the show today. We'll we'll see. <laughs> Because a lot of guests say they're going to show and then they don't show, but but it happens, you know. It's 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 anything can happen. It's like an employee calling off from the job, and uh, obviously, if someone calls off work, you the the employer wants to know why you called off work. I mean, because if you don't uh, let somebody know that you're not going to be at work today, you could lose your job, you know. So, you know, people call off. The, uh, call off uh, on the George Wilder Jr. show. I'll book them and I'll say, hey, well, show up on the show. Okay, we'll be there. Suddenly the day comes and nothing. It happens. I mean, it's it, it's something I look forward to. It's something I move on from because I have a show to do and I have a radio show to do and I just move on to the, to the next guest, to the next person who wants to try and get the word about, get the word out about what they're doing and why. <laughs> Why? All right. Uh, making the world a better place, one show at a time, the George Wilder Jr. Show, making the world a better place. Hopefully, you know, I can't do it by myself. I need a lot of you out there. You're going to have to hey, uh, do it with me because uh, things are going to hell in a handbasket, it seems. But uh, we have to still have uh, confidence. We have to still have keep our senses about us and just try to find out what's wrong, uh, what what's causing it, what's or who is causing it and get rid of them. You know, that's it. Because America is no place for dictators. America is no place for kings. America is no place for emperors. Because the people are in control. Remember, you're in control. You're in control. The people of America, we are in control of America, not the Republicans or Donald Trump. You know why they're not in control? Because we gave them their job, specifically. I didn't vote for the man, but being an American, you know, you're part of you're part of America as a whole. And that's why I say we voted these assholes in. We gave them their job. If it wasn't for the people voting for them, giving them the power that they have, they would not have that power. So that that's why I'm saying and it and it is true that we the people, we are in control. We are our leaders. We cannot sit back and say, oh, the hell, the world is going to hell or America is going to hell. You have to change it. You have to um, make an effort to change it and put the people in that you want to be in, to be in office. We are the, we are the leaders. 
there's so many Americans sitting around, oh man, it, it's just so awful. And we're waiting and we're sitting around for that leader to emerge, to take us out of this nightmare. There's no leader that's going to emerge to take us out of this nightmare. Americans, we have to take ourselves out of the nightmare. We have to be the leaders that others will not be. Others will not be us. Be the leaders. You have to influence people. You have to uh, engage people. You don't influence or engage people. You're not doing a good job. I mean, that's all you have to do to make the world a better place, you know. Influence and engage people to do the right thing. The reason why we have this Trump in office is because he conned people. He conned people in the voting form. He lied through his teeth. He's he's lied every day of his presidency. He's lying today. I'm hearing something about uh, him giving all kind of reasons to why he didn't speak at these four soldiers who were killed. He's invoking Barack Obama. I mean, when will Trump get it? Barack Obama is not the president. He is. This guy is so transfixed on damaging Obama's legacy. It's a damn shame. He is so transfixed because people loved Obama and Trump doesn't like that. He can't stand it. He can't stand the fact that John McCain is a war hero. And John McCain is actually, as I speak, a dying man. And Trump is threatening a dying war hero. He is <laughs> he's threatening a dying war hero. And Trump has never served in the military in his entire life. He got out of it. He wasn't, he's a coward and two-thirds, yet he, he's always evoking Obama or Hillary. Why don't he get over that and just leave Obama and Hillary alone and get about trying to lead America? He just can't do it. And the guy is definitely has a, have a war going on against the American people. Against, against anybody who is a uh, threat to his presidency, even though what we may be saying and criticizing him about is the truth. He's one of those guys who lie through their teeth and can't stand to hear or see the truth in themselves. So he comes after, he goes after those who are, who are criticizing him. Because he doesn't like it. He's thin-skinned. He's a little baby boy. He can't take it. You know, he can't take it. And, and he has a war with the American people because he feels, and he's right, that 80% of the American public, they don't like him. They want to see him impeached. The people, um, the American people have been phoning. And, and I mean, they've been contacting their congressmen. They've been calling into the Capitol building. Uh shouting and screaming at their congressmen, their senators, saying that they want this man out of office, but those people are not listening. The people, the uh, those politicians that were put into office, Republicans, they're not listening to the people who put their asses in office and gave them the greatest health care in the world, the kind of health care that they want to take away from low-income people and, middle, and the middle class and take that extra money and give it to corporations and millionaires, people who don't need it. It's going to take money away from poor people, middle-class people, take the money away and give it to people, others who do not need it, like millionaires and billionaires and corporations. That's crazy. So, as I've said so many times before, we just got to get rid of this guy. Got to, and moreover, we got to get. We have to get rid of the Congress, because they're not going to. They're aiding and abetting Donald Trump. You, you think about this one, this one-time movie mogul, movie mogul, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Okay, he has admitted to groping women. He has uh, said that he's sorry, that he needs help, and 
groping women in Hollywood in order, and a lot of these women were groped because, you know, they wanted to play different movies. So, you know, Hollywood has always had that, what they call casting couch. You'd be surprised a lot of the women who, a lot of the women who have made so many movies over the years, and just about anybody who that is, Catherine Hepburn, Meryl Streep, uh, Jane Fonda, a lot of these, and it goes way back to the 30s and the 40s. Uh, a lot of these women in Hollywood, these actresses, uh, they had to screw to get their job. They had to let themselves be groped in order to get their job, to, in order to be in the movies. Because a lot of these women, you know, they want to be in the movies. They want to, I mean, they're they're beautiful. They look great. They have talent. They want to be in the movies. Suddenly they're run, up against, they're run up against a producer or a director and Direct, the director or the producer said, hey, you got to put out if you want this part. And it's been happening for decades. I mean, it's not centuries. So Hollywood has a real uh, bad reputation of, of groping, sexually assaulting, um, and taking women to bed who want to be in their movies. It's nothing new. But on the other hand, we have a president we have a man who has come out repeatedly, and we've seen it and we've heard it time and time again. He groped women, he sexualized women, and he had this Hollywood uh, extra Hollywood video where he said he uh, uh, women let you grab their private parts because he was a big star. See, we have a we have a a, a Harvey Weinstein. In the Oval Office, but yet nothing ha- nothing happens to Donald Trump. I mean, people lose their jobs, they lose their reputation, they become ruined because of uh, sexual assault, but not Donald Trump. And I just don't understand that. And a lot of us do not understand that. Other people go to jail for this. Other people, Bill Cosby, other people, you know, they they're in court over this but not Donald Trump, as if he's somebody special who gets away with groping uh, sexual assault against women. You know, I've heard so many times that he, when he was head of the beauty pageant, he would walk in on the women while they were dressing. Give me a break. He never denied any of it. You know, he never, but when you come to re to report something like that, Donald Trump doesn't like it. He doesn't like for you to report the truth because the truth makes him look bad, so he comes after you. He comes after the American people. That was a, a not too long ago. Uh, Donald Trump was saying that um, he was coming after everybody on Facebook who said something bad about him. <laughs> a lot of people were pissed off. But then come on. Come on. Come get me. <laughs> Trump talks out of his ass. I mean, he just, he says anything to try to get us thrown off. To He says anything to try to get us to be distracted. You know, while we're just being distracted uh, because of what something Donald Trump, something controversial Donald Trump has said, the Republicans on the other end, they're trying to get through legislation because they feel that we're, we're not paying attention because we're paying attention more to what Donald Trump has said. Uh, and, and it's a total distraction. Donald Trump distracts the Republicans, uh, 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 get something through Congress that's going to hurt the people. Because if, if we were focused on what the Republicans were doing, we'd be shouting and screaming and they wouldn't be able to get that stuff through. So Donald Trump and the Republicans are working together on this thing. Donald Trump distracts the Republicans uh, sneak legislation through that's going to harm uh, the American public without us knowing about it because we're so focuses, focused on the stupidity of Donald Trump. And people have to have to realize that. People have to realize this. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to the George Wilder doing this show on Block Talk Radio. All right. My guest, it says here, is author Stephanie Osborne. Wow. Um, okay. We'll see what that, that is about. We will be right 
back. I think we have something we're going to do here. Okay, we'll be right back. Services paid for through the Ukrainian president's political party. I think it's not... the guy in the White House for his silence over the four Green Berets killed in Niger. And here's what he had to say about that later on in the day. Take a look, please. Toughest calls I have to make are the calls where uh, this happens. Soldiers are killed. President Obama and other presidents, most of them uh, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. <laughs> take some time off his golf game well you know i think most presidents make those calls i'm sorry and quit you know what listen just say you know maybe you hadn't gotten to it yet but you don't need to bring in obama what is wrong with you obama does not you know just stop you can say you, you can say you're dealing with it you can but you don't have you don't have to reach out because it turns out to be a lie. Well, these things you know? are typically well, done in private because they're very personal. Someone's lost their lives, so it's not something that they do and then broadcast. By the way, I, I spoke with four people. To, you know, like, you don't typically do that. The thing that bothers me now is these families are still listening to this conversation. How sincere does it seem when you make that phone call now and you had to consult other people to know mm -hmm. that you just wanted to say, I don't know what to say, but I called. Like, I, I care. Well, but he's you know? obsessed with Obama and Hillary Clinton. Yesterday, he was talking about her again it's like move it along but it just seems to me whenever he's criticized because he was being criticized for not having called the families of the four fallen soldiers in Niger right um, and uh, when he's criticized his intuitive reaction seems to be to point the finger somewhere right. else and that's exactly what we tell our children not to do right so when when our kids do something wrong they say well Bobby did it too I'm like right. is Bobby's last name Hostin no right. I don't care what Bobby did <laughs> yeah. and so I think we need to call him on it and say you know you're the president now. Yeah, yeah. You do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I never understand any sort of attacking on either side of the aisle that has anything to do with the military or fallen soldiers. I yeah. think all of us collectively as Americans, you would be hard pressed to find someone that would want to politicize that. So I'm always sort of confused by the political capital that he expends when he says things like this. That being said, you know, he ran as a much more isolationist candidate than traditional Republicans do, saying, you know, we're not going to go into any more wars, we're going to bring, less soldiers are going to come home in coffins under my presidency, and he's actually turned out to be a lot more hawkish than I had anticipated, yeah, yeah. and so it'll be interesting to see if he continues to sort of go, by the way, ideologically in the vein that I'm in, what ends up happening with his supporters, because a lot of his base of supporters are really sick of being overseas, of being in the Middle East, yeah. so I'm more interested interested policy-wise, what he does going forward. I think most, I think most of our soldiers, you know, they, they soldier up and they do it, but, yeah. you know, they're doing five and six and seven yeah. tours, you know. Eight, nine, ten. It's crazy. It's crazy. And just not for nothing, but Defense Secretary Leon Panetta did mention that Obama made calls to families, just yeah. saying. So now, uh, 
Yes, we just dealt with that. So former aides, yeah, right. He also answered questions yesterday about why his administration seems to be having so much trouble getting stuff done and through. Take a look. I have great relationships with actually many senators, but in particular with most Republican senators. But we're not getting the job done. And I'm not going to blame myself, I'll be honest. They are not getting the job done. We've had health care approved, and then you had a surprise vote by John McCain. Uh, we've had other things happen, and uh, they're not getting the job done. Again, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> so... His base agrees with him, though. They think he's doing a, a fine job. They think the politicians are, are the problem here, don't they? You know, he's like the opposite of Harry Truman, because Harry Truman, the famous quote from Harry Truman was, the buck stops here at his desk. Mm -hmm. This is like the opposite of that. The buck doesn't stop here, stops over there. <laughs> well, he also ran on a total deal-maker platform that I'm going to make these great deals. I'm going to yeah. cross the aisle. I know how to make the best deals. Well, you can't then just put it off on, on the party the Congress because yes they do have to own this as well but you're supposed to be wheeling and dealing that's what your role is and he yeah. promised us a deal maker a businessman that would push stuff through so you when it doesn't go through you say it wasn't my fault when it does go through I'm doing great things yeah, you know you can't have right. it both ways yeah. so yeah. Well, he's, I think you know, I, um, I, I know I know we're going to be talking about it tomorrow, but I saw the movie LBJ recently. Oh, the great dealmaker. The great yeah. dealmaker. And yeah. what was so fascinating to me about it was that, you know, Kennedy was sort of this show horse, right? He was this good-looking guy. But behind the scenes, LBJ was the dealmaker. He was the workhorse. And I, I realized that you really have to be a consensus builder yes. when you are the president. And I'm surprised that he is unable to do that, not only with the Republican Party, his own party, but with the Democratic Party as well. Why do you think he is incapable of building these Well, because he doesn't, because he doesn't, I think part of the problem is he has no idea of <laughs> what he's doing, how he's doing stuff, because I, I, I think that, you know, More like it, it appears oftentimes he doesn't know anything about the details of his, of his plans, he waffles in his positions, he asks his to vote for things that his constituents are clearly saying, look, this is not going to fly with us. Well, he's not yeah. a conventional Republican. He's a populist icon, which we have to remember that when we're discussing deal-making. I said this all throughout the election, yeah. that deal-making in business is not the same thing as deal-making in politics. Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, these are the heads that are really going to roll coming up in midterm elections. Steve Bannon, it is his life mission to drain the swamp. It's everybody's and fault in Washington. And he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> the opinion of the base of Trump supporters is that it's everybody's fault except Trump's, yeah. especially Mitch McConnell. McConnell. Like, yeah. I, if I were Mitch McConnell, I would probably be a little nervous right now. And it's fascinating to me, like you said, that he made so many large promises in the health care bill that he brought up with my father. That bill was something that Mitch McConnell took a page out of Harry Reid. He was doing this deal in private, trying to ram it through the Senate, mm -hmm. wasn't having any amendments, wasn't doing a lot of, you know, whipping up of the votes right. within the Senate, and it ultimately backfired. And I think... All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, you're on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Yes, this is Stephanie Osborne. Yeah, we were expecting you. Your name is right here on the marquee. 
And you are an author, am I correct? That is correct. Okay, uh, tell my audience a little bit about you and, and about your book. Well, um, I really am one of those rocket scientists you hear about. Um, I live yes. and work in, in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, I used to work at the Marshall Space Flight Center for NASA. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I, I lost a friend on board the Columbia disaster, and I kind of started getting out of doing that sort of work. And I started, um, I had been writing all along, and I finally decided, well, I'm going to see if I can't get published. And some years later, here I am, and I've got uh, over 30 titles that I've authored, co-authored. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I, I still am trying to, to make it, you know, as, as, as a successful author. I don't count myself as completely successful yet, but... Uh, uh, I've got some stuff out there that people are really getting a kick out of. And my latest mm -hmm. book just came out this last week. Uh, it's the fourth book in the Division One series. Uh, and that series is my take on the urban legend of those guys in the dark suits that run around to UFO encounters and alien abductions and stuff and make the evidence go away. That's my take on it. Yeah. So the the fourth book is called Tour de Force. And uh, it just wow. came out in e it just came out in ebook last week, and it comes out in print next week. Wow, tour de force! Tour de force! I like that. I, I, I've heard that expression over the years many times. When something is great, or you know, or semi-great, or something like that, tour de force, uh, and it's a it's a series in the vein of Division One. Yeah, the the series is titled Division One. Uh -huh. Um and it, you know, it's it's my take on, on that urban legend. So um mm. it's I have a lot of fun with it. It's it's just a lot yeah. of fun to write. It is a lot of fun to write, and I try to tell people who come on the show that it's fun to write. If it's not fun to write, make it fun, because if you don't make it fun, then it's going to wind up tedious, and you're going to wind end up probably stop, uh, not writing anymore. Well, not to mention you won't have anybody who wants to read it. So, yeah, know, if, exactly. If it's tedious to you writing it, it's going to be tedious to the reader. Exactly. I mean, it, on the other hand, if it's fun to you, it's going to be fun to the writer. If you've enjoyed it, then the writer's going to enjoy it also. And the yeah, reader, I'm sorry. It it should be, yeah. That's not always yeah. the case, but usually it, it works that way. So. I mean, when I write, I try to think that way. I said, if I enjoy what I'm doing and it makes me laugh and it amuses me, then I know it's going to amuse uh, folks out there who, uh, you know, uh, download it or go buy it. It's going to because if it doesn't amuse me, you know, if it doesn't uh, hit me where it should, where I should be hit, you know, uh, then I won't do it or, or I'll just, you know, revamp it or rewrite it until it does. Because I know when I write something, it it better move me. Because if it doesn't move me, it's not going to move the reader. And, yeah. uh, you know, so that's the way I see it, you know. And uh, I've been writing for a long time. And I've got a lot of stuff on Amazon, just like everybody else. <laughs> some of it moves, some of it, some of it moves, some of it don't. Some of it moves slowly. But I just get a thrill out of writing. And I'm writing now. And I, I just love it. I mean, I will continue to do it until the day I die. Because I yes. just love it. It's great. I, I, I think it's something therapeutic about it. <laughs> well, it, it can be, yes. I, I know that um, I, I once upon a time I had a friend who was, um, she was a volunteer firefighter. And she was uh, working one of the big fires out west, one of the big wildfires. And so I would go for long periods of time when she was out in the field and I didn't hear from her. And I didn't know if everything was okay, she was all right or anything. So I basically turned it into a story, and uh, and and I and I wrote it. I, I wrote about a big wildfire. Uh, I have not published that story yet, but I mean, you know, it 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 was cathartic. It it got it out of my system. It it gave yeah. me a vent. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I I do think writing uh, lets you get a lot of things out of your system, uh, you know, as you say, it gave you a reason to vent. And sometimes I do the same thing in my writings. I vent sometimes, then I'll go back 
and just edit it a little bit more to make it sound a little less ventful. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I do vent and sometimes I do add characters who are based on real live people. I may change their names or uh, 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 fluff it up a little bit, but I do uh, base a lot of the characters on some some of the people I know and probably and some characters I'll base on myself, uh, loosely on myself. And um, that's another way of venting, I guess, for me. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I've I've actually reached the point where uh, some of my readers come to me and say, write me into your story. Use me as a character. I don't care <laughs> oh, oh, wow. So, so that's, that's, yeah. that's a lot of fun when they do that, so. Okay. Uh, I mean, I used to write. I used to write people into the story, but I wouldn't tell it was. I wouldn't tell them that I had written them into the story. Well, once they read the story, they'd figure out, George, that's me. I know that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, when they come to me and and ask me to do it, I know it's probably safe because that way that I can always say, well, hey, you gave me permission, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because you don't want no lawsuit coming down on you. Um, Anyway, tell us what what the book, your latest book is about. What's in it? Well, um, the the entire series is about the Pan-Galactic Coalition and Mm -hmm. its its arm on Earth, its secret arm on Earth, uh, the Division I Agency. Uh, and it's told principally through the eyes of Dr. Megan McAllister, who was a NASA astronaut until she wound up in the wrong place at the wrong time and wound up being co-opted mm-hmm. into the agency. And she's mm-hmm. being trained by one of their most experienced agents, Echo, uh, who actually is relatively young. He got he got caught up when he was a teenager. Um, and... So the whole thing, you you find out about this galactic government through her eyes as she learns about it. And so Mm -hmm. by this point, she is is a relatively experienced agent in her own right, working with Echo uh, in something called Alpha Line, which is their version of a special forces uh, department. And so Echo is about to be sent off on a first contact mission with a newly newly discovered alien race. And Omega uh, starts to get a really bad feeling about things. And she does mm-hmm. not want Echo to go. Mm. And Echo can't understand why she doesn't want him to go. And so they they wind up in some misunderstandings and some arguments as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, when normally they're they're you know the best of friends, so the yeah. the story yeah. is about her trying to stop him from going on this mission that she thinks is a really bad idea, and leaving her behind, and he thinks that she's upset because she's getting left behind, mm. and about what turns out to be the reality behind. These these aliens and their request to take Echo along with them to learn about them and for them to learn about him. Okay, I'm hearing aliens, so I, I'm su- I'm suspecting that this is this is fiction. Oh yes, oh yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is fiction. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I tend to write science fiction mysteries. I tend to blend the two genres. Oh okay. All right, do you have a copy of your book with you? Can we hear at least a small excerpt? Sure. Okay. All right. Later that day, Omega returned to her quarters from running errands and knocked on the frame of the connecting back door, calling to her partner. Hi, Echo, I'm back. Omega paused as Echo glanced up from rereading H.G. Wells' The Invisible Man, to look at her from his prone position on the couch. Over the couch Damn. now hung the only adornment on Echo's walls, the Orion Nebula photo she had made and printed, which had in the interim been beautifully matted and framed in jet black. The overall impression created by the framing was that the nebula itself extended onto the wall, while at the same time it highlighted the beauty of the delicate colors. 
More, Echo's position on the couch seemed calculated to allow him to glance up at it whenever he was not actively reading. She studied the framed picture silently for a long moment, startled but pleased, and he watched her reaction equally silently with dusky brown eyes. Did Fox call? Omega finally finished. As a matter of fact, he did. It's not anything you have to worry about, but it does look like I'll be going off planet for a couple days. Just you? What for? She moved farther into the room, an odd, disturbed sensation running through her being. Yeah, it's the first contact, and they're scheduled to arrive in a couple of weeks. Sorry about that. I know you're dying to do an EXO mission, especially since the agency co-opted you just as you made astronaut. But the Cortians are new to us. The Pan-Galactic Council is eager to connect with them because they're from the Sagittarius Dwarf Galaxy, and the situation's a little complex. Seems they follow a strict protocol in making diplomatic overtures. One of the rules they've laid down is one agent and one only. They also have some interesting requirements regarding gender and physical ability. What? Physical? (laughs) Omega's eyes narrowed, and she frowned as imagery of a particularly unpleasant nature popped into the back of her mind while Echo talked. What's wrong? Echo asked, noting her expression. I don't know, Omega admitted. I've just suddenly got enough bells ringing in my head for a five-alarm fire. I don't like the sound of that echo. It sounded pretty routine to Fox and me, he shrugged. Mm. Nothing really unusual. I don't think you should go. Why not? Call it a hunch. Women's intuition, whatever. Just don't go. Damn, he thought, biting his lip. I was afraid she was going to take it hard, especially coming so soon after the South American mission when she's still tired. Hell, when we're both tired. He pondered how to let her down easy. Meg, look, I know you'd love to go, but you can't. I really am sorry. I'll try to arrange with Fox to get us both an off-world assignment as Alpha One as soon as I can. She stared at him, shocked, then a little glint of anger kindled in the depths of her eyes. You think I'm trying... Omega turned on her heel and stalked toward the door. Over her shoulder, she said... I thought you knew me better than that, Echo. You've sure preached about mm. it enough in recent months. But damn, are mm. you off this time, Ace? <laughs> wow, it sounds like a uh, a great book, and I and I I can see that you are uh, that you like dialogue. Well, I met my husband when we both auditioned for and were cast in a play, so I've got uh-huh. some um, some theatrical background. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah I, I, when I'm doing a book reading, I just throw that into the into the mix. So <laughs> it sounds great. It sounds like an awesome book. You know, even though I I have never actually written a science fiction book, but I I've always you know uh, like to watch the movies. You know, I mean, you know, science fiction movies. I always like to like the space movies and all that kind of thing. And. Oh. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, go ahead. With, with my background, it's you know working for NASA and everything that kind of comes yeah. naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always write about what you know, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. You got to write write what you know and uh, weave it into some sort of a story that's going to you know resonate with readers. Well, that that hopefully it will anyway. Yeah. It sounds like it will. I mean, I'm, I'm recommending it. Folks, I'm recommending this book. All right, okay. Tell us where we can go find it, and give us a website or where 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 it's at, Amazon or uh, things like that, so we can uh, look it up. It's uh it's available for Kindle and Nook, so Amazon and mm-hmm. BarnesandNoble.com, uh, BN.com, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be available in print. Pretty much uh, both of those places and, and any regular bookstore that would that would carry print, if they don't already have it, you can easily have them order it for you. Uh, you can check out the rest of the book uh, on my website, which is stephanie-osborne.com. And the uh, title of the book is Tour de Force? The title of the book is Tour de Force. The series mm-hmm. is Division One. The first book in the wow, series the vi- is called Alpha, Alpha and Omega. All right, uh, Stephanie Osborne on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks so much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. No problem. Bye-bye.
All right, you, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. in the White House for his silence over the four Green Berets killed in Niger. And here's what he had to say about that later on in the day. Take a look, please. Toughest calls I have to make are the calls where uh, this happens. Soldiers are killed. President Obama and other presidents, most of them uh, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. <laughs> take some time off his golf game well you know i think most presidents make those calls i'm sorry and quit you know what listen just say you know maybe you hadn't gotten to it yet but you don't need to bring in obama what is wrong with you obama does not you know just stop you can say you, you can say you're dealing with it you can but you don't have you don't have to Reach out because it turns out to be a lie. Well, and these things you know? are typically well, done in private because they're very personal. Someone's lost their lives, so it's not something that they do and then broadcast. By the way, I, I spoke with four people. To, you know, like you don't typically do that. The thing that bothers me now is these families are still listening to this conversation. How sincere does it seem when you make that phone call now and you had to consult other people to know mm -hmm. that you just wanted to say, "I don't know what to say, but I called. Like I, I care." Well, but he's you know? obsessed with Obama and Hillary Clinton. Yesterday. He was talking about her again. It's like, move it along. But it just seems to me whenever he's criticized, because he was being criticized for not having called the families of the four full, fallen soldiers in Niger. Right. Um, and uh, when he's criticized, his intuitive reaction seems to be to point the finger somewhere right. else. And that's exactly what we tell our children not to do, right? So when, when our kids do something wrong, they say, well, Bobby did it too. I'm like, right. is Bobby's last name Hostin? No, right. I don't care what Bobby did. <laughs> yeah. And so I think we need to call him on it and say, you know, you're the president now. Yeah, yeah. You do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I never understand any sort of attacking on either side of the aisle that has anything to do with the military or fallen soldiers. I yeah. think all of us collectively as Americans, you would be hard pressed to find someone that would want to politicize that. So I'm always sort of confused by the political capital that he expends when he says things like this. That being said, you know, he ran as a much more isolationist candidate than traditional Republicans do, mm -hmm. saying, you know, we're not going to go into any more wars, we're going to bring, less soldiers are going to come home in coffins under my presidency, and he's actually turned out to be a lot more hawkish than I had anticipated, yeah. Yeah. and so it'll be interesting to see if he continues to sort of go, by the way, ideologically in the vein that I'm in, what ends up happening with his supporters, because a lot of his base of supporters are really sick of being overseas, of being in the Middle East, yeah. so I'm more interested policy-wise what he does going forward I think most I think most of our soldiers you know they they soldier up and they do it but yeah. you know they're doing five and six and seven yeah. tours you know Eight, nine, ten. it's crazy it's crazy and just not for nothing but defense secretary Leon Panetta did mention that Obama made calls to families just yeah. saying so now uh, Yes, we just dealt with that. So former aides, yeah, right. He also answered questions yesterday about why his administration seems to be having so much trouble getting stuff done and through. Take a look. 
I have great relationships with actually many senators, but in particular with most Republican senators. But we're not getting the job done. And I'm not going to blame myself, I'll be honest. They are not getting the job done. We've had health care approved, and then you had a surprise vote by John McCain. Uh, we've had other things happen, and uh, they're not getting the job done. Again, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> so his base agrees with him, though. They think he's doing a, a fine job. They think the politicians are, are the problem here, don't they? You know, he's like the opposite of Harry Truman, because Harry Truman, the famous quote from Harry Truman was, the buck stops here at his desk. Mm -hmm. This is like the opposite of that. The buck doesn't stop here. stops over there. <laughs> well, he also ran on a total deal-maker platform that I'm going to make these great deals. I'm going to yeah. cross the aisle. I know how to make the best deals. Well, you can't then just put it off on, on the party the Congress because yes they do have to own this as well but you're supposed to be wheeling and dealing that's what your role is and he yeah. promised us a deal maker a businessman that would push stuff through so you when it doesn't go through you say it wasn't my fault when it does go through I'm doing great things yeah, you know you can't have right. it both ways yeah. so yeah. Well, he's, I think you know I, um, I I know I know we're gonna be talking about it tomorrow but I saw the movie LBJ recently. Oh, a great, great deal maker the great yeah. deal maker and yeah. what was so fascinating to me about it was that you know Kennedy was sort of this show horse right he was this good-looking guy but behind the scenes LBJ was the deal maker he was the workhorse and I, I realized that you really have to be a consensus builder yes when you are the president and I'm surprised that he is unable to do that not only with the Republican Party his own party but with the Democratic Party as well. Why do you think he is incapable of building these? Well, because he doesn't, because he doesn't, I think part of the problem is he has no idea of what he's doing, how he's doing stuff. Because I, I, I think that, you know, it, it appears oftentimes he doesn't know anything about the details of his, of his plans. He waffles in his positions. He asks his to vote for things that his constituents are clearly saying, look, this is not going to fly with us. Well, he's not yeah. a conventional you know. Republican. He's a populist icon, which we have to remember that when we're discussing deal-making. I said this all throughout the election, that deal-making in business is not the same thing as deal-making in politics. Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, these are the heads that are really going to roll coming up in midterm elections. Steve Bannon, it is his life mission to drain the swamp. It's everybody's and fault he in Washington. And he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, well, <laughs> the opinion of the base of Trump supporters is that it's everybody's fault except Trump's, yeah. especially Mitch McConnell. McConnell. Like, yeah. I, if I were Mitch McConnell, I would probably be a little nervous right now. And it's fascinating to me, like you said, that he made so many large promises in the health care bill that he brought up with my father. That bill was something that Mitch McConnell took a page out of Harry Reid. He was doing this deal in private, trying to ram it through the Senate, mm -hmm. wasn't having any amendments, wasn't doing a lot of, you know, whipping up of the votes right. within the Senate, and it ultimately backfired. And I think until everyone learns to govern traditionally, maybe they'll get voted out of office. It's entirely possible. But this is a Republican right. Party problem as well that we're not working together. A, I'm sorry, your dad made a great speech, though, now that I'm thinking about when he sat in front of Congress and said, we're not doing our job here. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're not doing it. Yeah. And I remember he called everyone out, and I was yeah. so moved by him saying, like... It's supposed nice. to be consensus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's surprising, sorry, what's surprising yeah. to me also is Republicans don't seem to be upset about this blame shifting. I remember when Hillary lost the election, everybody kept on saying, you need to take responsibility for your loss. Don't point the fingers yeah, yeah, anywhere yeah. else. But now you have this president pointing the fingers at the very people that were criticizing Hillary for not taking the, the you know, yeah. the blame for it. I don't understand. But his base, so, it's the height of hypocrisy. His base thinks that the, the swamp is trying to sabotage him. Make no doubt about it. They don't think it's fault. It's his fault. They think that there's this large conspiracy that's trying to stop Trump's who's agenda. In the swamp? Because it's, he's who's in, the swamp? who's in the swamp? Well, the, the impression is that every elected, I mean, I trust me. Everyone is the swamp yeah, except President swamp. Trump. Yeah. And it's fascinating that he's still so Mitch, is, Mitch is in the, in so, the swamp, too? So Mitch is the king it's of the a, swamp. It, well, now, but before, who was the king of the swamp is the, the last guy who had the job, who had to get out because he was trying to work with yeah. Obama. Yeah. His name is gone from my head. What, Harry? But when we come uh, back, Harry 
Harry Reid. Harry Reid. No, it's not Harry Reid. That's not. No, it's a Republican. Sounds like it's crying. 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 Thank you. He was, but he was a man who tried to work. Remember, he tried to work with Obama. Yes. And then they tried to peace out. Not my problem. Yeah. And then they said, you know, you're, you get out, get out. And now he's out. And this is what happens. And you can't say anything else because we're going right to break. All right, we're going to break. We are going. Uh, the George Wilder Jr. show is going to end a little bit early, 30 minutes earlier, folks. We have uh, uh, a few technical difficulties that I have to straighten out, and it's going to end a little bit early today. But tune in tomorrow and for the rest of the week, and we're going to be at our original times. But things happen. You have to, you know, um, do what you got to do. Okay, so to speak. And I want to thank uh, Stephanie Osborne for being on the show. She was great, beautiful. Go pick up her book, Tour de Force. Uh, it's Divisional One. I'm going to check it out because it sounded interesting. Well, you know, I just about every author that comes on the show, they talk about a book. The first thing I'll do once they're off the show, and once the show is over, processed, and uh, downloaded, I will go and take a look at the book because I – this show is all about supporting authors. We support authors at this show. You know, if you're a writer, you're a published writer, we support you. And we will try to get the word out about your book and what you do. Because uh, uh, writing is therapeutic. It's fun. It's great. It's beautiful. This is why I have them on the show. And I love to hear about other people's story. Whether I, uh, I love to hear about other folks and their work, their writings, even if I don't agree with it, even if I haven't read that kind of stuff, but I always respect people for what they do, whether I uh, agree with it or, 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 or I have no foundation of, of what it's about. Uh, I still respect authors for what they do, their creativity, their creating. And that's one of the greatest things you can do here is to create. And that's what it's all about. So if you have a book you want to you and you want to um, have it on this show, and uh, we can uh, hey wow look me up hook me up, inbox me on Facebook or in or email me or whatever look me up I'm all over the place so, and you can get your book on the show and we'll talk about it and you can read an excerpt you know and get hey way hey get some sales you know, or you know just get the word out about what you do and who you are because that's what it's all about. I mean, I don't think writers are in the in the market of being silent or not wanting to get their work published, as I've stated at the, at the beginning of the show, some are. But I think most writers want to get their work out because they want you to read it. They want, you know, review it. It's just the way it is, you know. So I'm going to go check out the book. But, it, but, but another thing I want to say, I'm going to end the show early, folks. So uh, because there is some uh, a need that I have to <laughs> attend to. But uh, the show will resume tomorrow at its regular time and all the time that it's on the air. So we're just, gonna, we're just doing it for this time. All right, here we go. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day. Heaven help the white man if he turns back away. Heaven help the man who kicks the man as a crawl. Heaven help the song.
gonna be uh it's gonna be the same time as usual we have to close today all right thanks everybody for listening i hope you tune in tomorrow and always bye bye